Welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast, where three generations of pastors discuss life and ministry. My name is Ryan Haskins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Andy Wolf and Glenn Schreiber. Now, normally we start each podcast by asking a generational question, but we are going to divert from our script today because our topic is going to be heavy. Um, our topic is, is, is going to be talking about tragedies in the church and how the church should respond to tragedies in the church. I'm based out of Nashville, and um, undoubtedly, I'm sure you have heard of the tragedy that happened at Covenant Presbyterian School this week, where there was a shooter that came in and killed three children and three teachers at that school. I'm 20 minutes away. Our church is 20 minutes away from the school and the church that's connected to it, Covenant Presbyterian Church. And so it's really kind of put on our doorstep um, the question of how should the church respond to tragedies? This is the first time that there's a school shooting in Nashville, but as we look uh, across our country, unfortunately, it's not the first time that that a tragedy like this has happened. And so I really just asked um, Glenn and, and Andy, as we meet uh, to have this discussion, I just asked them, it was like, hey, can we discuss this um, to help other pastors, other ministry leaders, other people just figure out the best ways to move forward in light of this tragedy? Because obviously, uh, this shouldn't be a moment that we try to kind of take for ourselves and capitalize on it, but this should also not be a moment that we just, um, you know, gloss over and act like nothing ever happened. So I guess first, guys, just to start the conversation off, um, in just what are your general thoughts on the matter as as we as we see um, this tragedy happen? How and in, how in your mind, um, what's the first thing that the church should do in moments like this? I just take you where, where my mind went first. We're always seeking explanation. I think uh, I think all of us, when we come across these situations, want to know why, how, and all those things. But but then I found myself said, no, I just got to stop. I just want to pray for the families, pray for everyone involved, thank the Lord for everyone that's been that's been a uh, that's been a responder and is in a place of 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 healing uh, and and making that. And then just going to take a moment just to kind of weep and just to. Uh, to, to feel uh, what's going on in that particular situation. Um, so, so kind of tamp down my, my desire for explanation uh, to pray for those intimately involved and knowing that's cascading out, even as, you know, we're talking even still today, uh, weeping or truly trying to, to take it in and own it for the, the human loss and tragedy that it is. And I think that the last thing that I'll, that I'll end on is just, then work to, to, to deal with just the facts. You know, it's going to be a conversation piece. We're talking about it today. Um, what educate myself to just what are the facts? What do I know? What don't I know? Try to keep it with one on I do know and take it upon my position or our position in the church to keep to, to keep it to that and not to, to run off on my own or others, maybe agendas that this just happens to fit into for some reason or other. Yeah, I would say my words would probably run alongside Glenn's. Just the the two words that come to mind are grief and prayer. Um, you know, we we think and see different tragedies that happen within the context of of scripture and uh there is a place to to grieve. You know, you even think of Jesus at the grave of Lazarus. Uh you know, he didn't he had the ability and the power and knew what was about to happen in raising him from the dead. And yet 
he took that moment to stop and to weep and to and to grieve the reality of what death and sin does in our world. And so uh, I think there there's a significant place for us to do that and to do that together, um, not not just even to do that individually. And then secondly, I think it runs alongside of that is prayer. You know, how do we come together um, to pray and to uh, cry out to God? You know, I used to think as a young kid when somebody would say, you know, even so come Lord Jesus, you, you kind of get this sense as a, as a young person, like, well, no, I've got things to do, or, you know, the, this world isn't that bad. But I think the longer that I live, the more that I, that, that cry resonates in my own heart and in, in my own ministry. Lord, this is not going to be saved or fixed by any politician. It's not going to be saved or fixed by the right set of parenting or even the right sermons. Um, it's ultimately only going to be completely fixed by the return of our Lord and Him setting all things right and making all things new. And so um, we we cry and we grieve and we pray um, towards those ends, uh, hoping to care for those that we can. I so appreciate both both of those responses um, because yeah, I, we're, we're having a, a prayer meeting at our church this evening just for our community. If we just put it on our next door apps, if, if anyone wants to come and then for our church itself. And uh, I'm going to give a short devotional at the beginning, and I've actually I, I'm going to use Lazarus uh, and and Jesus, and just recognizing where I think where I've noticed already w- within you know 24 hours or 30 hours at this point, where people are so quick to jump to here's what needs to happen. It's they're looking to fix things, whether it's more gun control, whether it's more security, whether it's mental health issue. I mean, whatever the fixes, but they're just they're jumping to fixes. And what sticks out with me with Jesus is he knew the fix, and yet he first stopped and he wept. And I, I think that is uniquely where the church um, can step into, where it can be that place where people can can grieve in ways where other, um, maybe they can't in, in, in other places. Which kind of brings me to the next, maybe, I don't know, topic that we can discuss that I think is important to just keep in mind in moments like this. The church has a unique role in society. You know, we know what police officers do. They keep us safe. We know what, let's say, school counselors do. They can meet with kids in schools. But maybe the question that I'd, I'd like to kind of pose, and just kind of maybe hypothetically as, as, we're, as we're looking at this, what happens to a society in moments like this when the church doesn't show up? And really, maybe kind of the positive way of looking at it is, what can the church exclusively or uniquely offer that other entities in society can't offer. And I just, you know, we can have this discussion really to um, encourage people that even in the presence of these tragedies, uh, we as the church have something to offer that the world needs. So again, both either either negative or positive, if the church wasn't here, what would they lose? Or with the church being here, what, what, what can we uniquely offer to the world? Well, I think two things come to my mind. I think the first thing is is spiritual care. Um, and I think you come alongside and you do offer that voice that looks past this moment to eternity and not, not in a preachy way and not in a, you know, kind of gospel track type of way. But I think in a way that says, listen, there is hope. This does look hopeless. This is difficult. We grieve with you, but 
if we set this in the larger scope of eternity, we can understand a little bit better um, of, of what is going on. And I think we, that's the chance that we have in conversation, in grief, to point people past the tragedy to the cross and to really the greatest tragedy that ever, ever happened. And then the second thing I would say is we have service. We have a ways that we can lovingly serve people. Um, we saw when we went through the tragedy of the tornadoes, um, the church actually was the engine by which a lot of times people would would be able to serve. And so, you know, we're in the South and a lot of times, you know, when something tragic happens, we fix a meal and we take a meal to somebody. But that's just a small way of expressing a way to serve. And there might be many different ways, whether it's just listening, whether it's just care, whether it is a meal, whether it is some other way that we can just simply lovingly serve people and selflessly serve people. Yeah, I agree. Uh, In particular, my mind went as well to that hope in the midst of this particular situation and, and lifting our eyes up. You know, I think the the way the church responds to these specific tragedies is an indication of, of what the church has been doing day by day, week by week in the lives of those who are involved in these tragedies. I mean, how, how the, how the, the parents, the teachers, the students, the first responders, how all those people are responding yesterday. Um, I'd like to think, especially the heroic side of things are the way that they have been been attuned to the spiritual side of themselves as hopefully helped by their local church, which of course means their local pastor, their local leaders. Um, we don't just minister when these larger tragedies take place. Uh, you guys know better than as much as anyone that uh, the local tragedy is your own congregation where someone may have committed uh, suicide, someone had a, a financial downturn. It could have been any number of things that are just, that hits them as tragic as uh, these events hit the community yesterday. And so I'd say the, the same principles that you've ministered and that you want to prepare your people for are the same things that come to play now. You, you know, you're in this position, Ryan, where you're asking these questions because proximity-wise, you're leading us into this. But you're giving us a lot of heart thought right now. How would you respond? How would you answer your own question here? Well, I, 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 I agree where you guys have taken it. Stopping and grieving and allowing space to mourn, um, allowing space to allow the Lord to strengthen you is important. It's so easy to jump to doing, to fixing, that we never, we don't give ourselves that space to just, mm-hmm. you know, say, okay, how long, O oh Lord? Mm-hmm. Like the, the phrase I have seen on, on, at least on my Facebook, uh, so much in the last couple of hours is, Lord, come quickly. And as Andy, yeah, as you said, like I, I agree with that. When I was younger, it goes, but maybe wait a little bit. Um, and now it's like, yeah, like this has got to stop. But the other thing that's actually on my mind is conviction because the shooting that happened yesterday in Nashville, it didn't, just because of my own proximity, it didn't stop my life, but it definitely was a speed bump in it. Mm -hmm. And, And this evening, we were planning on having men's Bible study. 
but then as actually my associate pastor had just the spirit put on his heart and said, we shouldn't have men's Bible study. We should have a prayer meeting and we should invite everyone in the congregation and our community. And, but what's, what's been convicting is there's a tragedy that happens every single day somewhere. It's not always mm -hmm. close enough that stops our life, but there's brokenness, there's heartache, there's pain, there's tears, there's loss, there's death. There's shootings, there's disasters constantly. And it's kind of like I'm feeling a little bit of, of re rebuke and wonder. Hmm. Why is it that the church, let's say my church, my heart, Nashville church, how you know, however large you want to, you know, shake this out, why is it that our church is just as affected and heartbroken for all the worldwide tragedy as it is for the kind of particular tragedy here in Nashville. So there's a little bit of conviction there mm -hmm. of going, maybe, maybe this is an opportunity to remind ourselves that, um, you know, there's, there are tragedies everywhere. And the Lord has put the church on this earth to shine light, to speak hope into, to grieve with those, not only those that are, you know, in our backyards, but also those on the other side of the globe. Um, and then ultimately, I'm leading this conversation because I, I still have more questions than answers. And this is where the objectivity of you guys will probably were less affected by this. You know, heard, mm -hmm. saw it on the news. Maybe you had a friend. It's, you know, as, as I said, for me, like guy at my gym, one of his son plays is on the baseball team with one of the kids who died. Um, my youth pastor is friends with the pastor whose child was killed. My wife in her school that she teaches in the sub one of the subs yesterday knew the sub that was in the other mm. school and died so like i'm one or two steps removed and uh and, and immediately in the room um but it's it's for me it's just it's convicting to go wow i should have cared more about other tragedies that happened in other parts of this country that i would not have cared about um that i don't that i did not care about this deeply because i didn't know them but it's still just as tragic. I mean, one of the things that going through different tragedies has caused us to do here is just to be aware. Uh, maybe specifically ours was weather related many years ago. And so when different weather things happen, churches are affected. Oftentimes that creeps into my pastoral prayer on a Sunday morning, you know, just asking for God to work. And it's just a reflection of the things that have happened in my mind or you know, we see we have different military people that have been affected by actions that have happened in different places. And so I think that it, it's helped me to focus maybe a pastoral prayer or a pastoral moment in a service specifically um, and bring those in outside of a tragedy that touches us personally. Um, and so just continuing to raise awareness and continuing to raise the hearts and desire um, of our people to pray for and to think of those things beyond the headlines and, and specifically towards spiritual um, inclinations. Yeah. To address these things, but not as ones without hope. Um, but it's easily to, to move right into the next day's tragedy. And I'm just thinking of last week's tornadoes as they uh, just devastated the communities there in Mississippi and still travel along. And I know uh, Andy, when that happens, I always think of, of you and, and what your congregation had to endure back then. And uh, it's another role we have is to not, not forget. 
uh, and to keep reminding uh, our people that, yeah, we have gone through very difficult, tragic times um, in the past, but didn't the Lord uphold us? Mm -hmm. uh, didn't we see him, him, him come through and, and, and even to bring some meaning and some whatever, uh, you know, to that? Um, well, here, these, these people are now in a situation where they need that affirmation, you know, from us or our prayers along those lines that they too would, would see God's hand and, and would be able to uh, uh, find the hope that is there um, and hopefully draw closer to him than ever and use us as a tool for that. That's the interesting thing about life that the Lord uses tragedies to bring people to himself. And he uses the tragedies to bring people to realize that they have no hope without him. I mean, we could use either biblical tragedies and let's say that are divinely, you know, inspired of the plagues in the Old Testament, where it is literally there to break people down so that they they look to Christ. But then there's even, you know, the personal experiences that the churches were full after 9-11 in New York because people were saying, oh, okay. My own personal securities fail me, so they have to look outside of themselves. And then here, as the church, um, with a shooting in Nashville, it's we we must appropriately grieve, but we grieve as those who are with hope and understanding that there is there is life, there is there is light after darkness, there's light after this life. That we look not to the securities of this world and whatever those those securities are. And right now I'm hearing a whole bunch of stuff about what we need and don't need, and we need less of or more of and all that stuff. But all of that is pointing away from the one true security that we have, which is um, hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's always ahead. interesting to me, you know, I, one thing that I, in my, at least in my lifetime, I failed to be able to see is a, at least in the American church, I'll put it that way is a sustained focus on prayer. Hmm. It seems like, you know, and I've seen this a couple of different times, whether it was 9-11, whether it was tragedies that we've suffered here as a church, um, whether tornadoes or pastoral, um, everybody shows up to the prayer meeting after those happen. And I usually give it, you know, a month to two months, but a sustained work of prayer in the church seems to be almost impossible to keep going outside of those things. And so I, I don't, I don't know how to fix that. Um, but it is something that I see and I, I, it makes me wonder sometimes, you know, when we, when we have a prayer meeting or we do something, why is it that we only have three or four people show up? And then when we have a tragedy, the church is full. And what is it that we maybe need to do different? And I, I don't have the answer for that, but it does, uh, it does grieve me a little bit to think about that. Yeah, pain moves us. And we don't want to pray pain on ourselves or on others to get us to that. But how can we, how can we uh, keep within our um, consciousness, consciousness uh, the pain that really is around, that truly is there, but we work so hard to mask it. Uh, or to uh, to deal with it in other ways, where really it's events like this that show us just how vulnerable we truly are, and uh, and that brings us again back to the painful realization that we're not in control. God, please help us. Mm -hmm. 
it's like the Lord knew knew what he was doing when he didn't take Paul's form, thorn from the flesh. Yeah. And he said, my grace is sufficient so that he would continually be on his knees going, Lord, I need you. Almost as if oh. he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Yes. It's almost as if he uh, knew what he was doing. You know, I thought I did have, Ryan, though, and this directly affects you, is not to lose sight of the, the impact this is having on your children or on our kids. As mm-hmm. uh, You know, we can over, overlook what they're overhearing, um, mm-hmm. what they're taking in from others and just uh, helping uh, helping them to be able to deal with this in their own way. And I don't know really where to go from that, except just uh, uh, be aware of that. And that's another way that you can help the families in your congregation, just to be attuned and, and uh, maybe learn from each other. Yeah, It is in those ways that, again, events like this open up, also reveal to the individual what their unique ministry opportunity is. Um, we have a school psychologist in our church, actually both, it's a married couple, both of them are school psychologists, but one of them was texting us last night and she spent her day preparing for today when kids went home, saw the news, heard and heard the news that she, she works in public school. Obviously the shooting was in a private school so that they weren't affected, but would come home, heard the news and then come back and just what today life would look like with the fear, trepidation, wonder, questions. Um, and it's, it's public school system. And she was, she would just ask for prayer for not only the first responders, but then, um, those who are dealing with the mental health issues and struggles, counseling counselors that are going on with, with all of this. And, but you know, she, she's, she obviously has a unique ministry opportunity working with these kids, but it's the one parent talking with the other kids and, you know, on the block around the neighborhood, it's the parents talking with their kids who's then going to talk with other kids in the neighborhood. I mean, it's those are the ministry opportunities that we get uniquely to constantly point people back to Christ um, yeah. and sit with them in their pain and wonder. Yeah, that would be an interesting um, conversation with those two as to can you arm me with a couple of questions that, mm-hmm. that I could ask that just, just to, to pull out if there is anything that's going on with, uh, uh, with the kids and, and mm-hmm. uh, then be available to listen and, and go from there. And again, when it comes, I think you know, our, our theme question here is how does the local church respond to local tragedies? And I think for the local church to, to do it, what you just illustrated is know who's in your congregation. Uh, what resources do we have to bring to bear mm-hmm. for this? And then how can we empower them to do that at a scale that's appropriate for, mm-hmm. for the situation? Well, and for us, I'll just offer this one resource because, um, you know, it's definitely applicable to us now. It might be applicable to some of our listeners later. There's a Presbyterian pastor, um, ordained Presbyterian pastor out there that put together a video of how to talk to kids about tragedies. Um, you might know him as Mr. Rogers, but he, uh, it was after 9-11. He was actually called back in. He had since gotten off the air and he had a, a series of videos just talking about how to deal with death, how to do a loss. Um, but that was sent to us. Um, my my wife and I greatly uh, enjoy Mr. Rogers' ministry in that way. And I truly do say it was a ministry to kids, but that was passed around. And so if if you're listening to this and you're wondering how to have those conversations, I'm going to, I will direct you to him. Um, who is far more um, has far more resources in that area. 
Ryan, the other thing I'd encourage you to just be aware of is that we function in the U.S. at least on on the news cycle. And you're going to have a lot of things in the next few days, you know, that will come out. You'll see things in the headlines. You know, the banner will be across all the major news sites. And then as soon as something else happens, you know, whether it be uh, the the war in the Ukraine, a something in Washington, another weather, uh, Lord, help us not another shooting. Nashville and the shooting there will fade off the headlines. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it will fade out of the national consciousness. And I think that's just something to be aware of. It will not fade out of the consciousness of the people that are local and directly dealing with it. And they mm-hmm. will, in some ways, maybe feel forgotten. And mm-hmm. I, I realized that after the storm here, um, we were, you know, the area and what happened was in the headlines for, you know, about a week. And then it was gone. And yet the scars and the difficulties and the conversations and the rebuilding mm-hmm. and all of those things was going to take literally years to, mm-hmm. to accom- be accomplished. And, uh, and so just because it fades out of the headlines doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that the, the pain is gone or the opportunity is over. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there still remains work to be done. That's a wise word. Well, thank you, men for venturing into this conversation with me. Um, I pray that anyone listening found it encouraging. Um, and as always, if there's any things that we can do to help you and encourage you, uh, please let us know. Thanks for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.